0: Welcome to the Commune Podcast. My name is Jeff Krasno. Okay, we're experimenting with something new on the show this week. Now, as many of you know, Commune is not just a podcast, but it's also a course platform that features a huge breadth of thought leaders, authors, teachers, and increasingly more and more functional and integrative medicine doctors. The course library on onecommune.com now contains hundreds of programs spanning personal growth, meditation, spirituality, functional medicine, nutrition, and social impact. I think of it as all of the different components that inform holistic well-being. Now, one particularly popular program is Russell Brand's course on recovery, in which Russell creatively and occasionally profanely adapts the 12-step system into a comprehensive tool for living a more examined, healthier life and spiritually engaged life. Now there's an assumption that 12 step recovery is for addicts and alcoholics. And that's true. That's indeed how Russell found his way to the 12 steps. But as Russell will soon demonstrate in this course, it is also an effective and protein tool for untangling yourself from life's more insidious addictions and attachments, including unhealthy relationships to work or social media, or sex, or gambling, or food, or sugar, or pornography, or codependency. In the past, we have published individual lessons from courses like Russell's here on the podcast. But today, we're trying something new, as I mentioned. So over the next six days, we will be releasing the first six parts of Russell's 12-part series. If you want to watch the full video version of the course, including a variety of bonus lessons and worksheets, then I encourage you to go to onecommune.com recovery and sign up for a free trial of Commune membership. That's onecommune.com recovery. There you can sign up for 14 days of free, all access to Commune's entire course library and enjoy the full length version of Russell's course on recovery. We will always email you before your free trial is up. But if you continue on to become a Commune member, well, thank you. Our members are really the reason we are able to create and share content like this. And if you regularly tune into this show, well, I ask that you subscribe to this podcast on Apple podcasts or Spotify or your favorite podcatcher and tap follow show. And leave us a review if you're so inclined to show your support. It really does make a huge difference. Okay. On with the show. Enjoy this excerpt from Russell Brand's Commune course on recovery.
1: Having made a decision to turn your will in your life over to the care of god as you understand god already having admitted that you have a problem that you're powerless over it that you've come to believe that power greater than yourself can restore you to sanity you are now at the point where you can embark on the aspect of the 12-step program that i find most fascinating not because it's uh, abstract or mysterious, but because it's so deceptively pragmatic, bureaucratic almost, administrative, the notorious five-column inventory process, step four in its ingenious original form is made a fearless and searching moral inventory of ourselves. I wrote it as, you know, made a list of all the fucked up shit you'd done or some other foul, colloquial, reinterpretation. But what step four really is, is an opportunity to thoroughly stock take your previous behavior, your previous beliefs. Uh, one of the things that motivated me to undertake this process was like when I did step four, which I did, that took it took me five years And two days to do step four. Five years to not do it. Two days to do it. Five years of pure avoidance. Two days of endless writing and inventorying. When I eventually did it, it gave me clarity around my new perspective. Step one, two, and three, even though we've spent a lot of time on them, there's a truncated version of one, two, and three where you can do it just by nodding your head. Yeah, I've got a problem. Of course it could get better. All right, I'm willing to accept help. It could be done that quickly, if you were willing and compliant and a simple person, probably not the kind of person who needs this, as a matter of fact. Step four, though, becomes incredibly involved and quite arduous. I resisted it. I'm not a person that uh, takes kindly to school or being told what to do, endeavor, homework. You know, I just don't do stuff like that. That's not how I'm wired. But when I actually did do it, It was one of the first times it became clear to me how vital it was that everybody has a program, that everyone should have access to these techniques. I thought, when are you ever going to sit down and own the stuff that happened to you as a kid? People don't do it. People don't properly... mm, own or address the time where a parent or a friend or a stranger looked into your eyes and told you that you were scum, that you were fat, that you're not good enough. These traumas that we carry in the body, in the mind, that form us are there, silent phantoms forming who we are. The inventorying process, in a sense, demystifies them. It gives you the opportunity to put down on paper these unaddressed unconscious fears and beliefs. The program that previously runs your life can now be exposed and examined. It's one of the key moments where unconscious behavior and patterns transition to conscious behavior and patterns. For me, there were things on my step four that were so trivial and minor, I couldn't believe I remembered them. And there were other things that were so shameful and awful, I was reluctant to ever revive them, even for a therapeutic process. But the fact is, is this inventory has to be fearless and thorough. The function of it is to expose, to shine a light on all of the unconscious and shady and sketchy and dark and ignored incidents, behaviors committed against us and behaviors committed by ourselves, that uh, it's impossible not to be governed by if you don't address them. It's where I realize that it, to have a 12-step program is a privilege, that to uh, be an acknowledged addict is an advantage because forced by desperation, forced by calamity, we have to now embark on a spiritual journey. Whereas, for my reckoning, it would be possible if you were merely suffering from ordinary desperation. You may not ever address it. Lives of quiet desperation, a phrase that one of my mentors used. Most men live lives of quiet desperation, carrying their song to the grave. Is it Theroux or pharaoh or one of those? At any rate, There'll be no silently carrying songs to your grave with a step four process. You'll sing that song loudly into the face of someone else in step five. But for now, we're dealing with step four. This is another thing that's amazing and that I should be clear about. The process of step four is, and the way that I first did it, is I wrote down every single resentment that I'd ever had, every time my feelings had been hurt, every time that I felt ashamed of the way I treated another person. It all went down. The point of step four, though, is not to be um, like repetitive. If you've had, for example, thousands of like, times where you were thrown out of pubs because of drinking, or if you've repeated the same kind of behavior around promiscuity, you merely need to illustrate what your pattern has been. It is necessary to be specific, but it ain't necessary to sort of continually reiterate I did this, I did this, you know. The point of it is to develop a thorough understanding of your past behaviour in order to facilitate change. It's not to kind of flagellate yourself and wallow in the kind of uh, the trauma of habitualized behaviour. To demonstrate the efficacy of the in this case, five column tool, I feel like it's useful to demonstrate one pretty minor resentment and one more significant resentment to show that the scope or scale of the problem is not what's significant, it's the method that you use to attack it and analyze it. And it's what's revealed in undertaking this methodology that's significant. Because I saw when I did step four again and again that Various areas of myself had been fired up and affected. Pride, what I think others think of me. That's how it's defined here. Self-esteem, what I think of myself. Personal relations, the script I give others. That means that whenever I engage in relationship, I unconsciously, if I'm not careful, have expectations of the way that the other person behaves. Like that when I get home from work, I'll tell my wife, I've worked really hard today, I'm exhausted, I'm expecting her to do some version of, aren't you fantastic, or oh, you've really overcome the odds, what a great guy you are, well done. If she says, I've got two young children that I've been looking after all day, fuck you. I think, well, that's not in the script. What the hell's going on? So pride, what I think you think of me, which is an odd thing to have an opinion of. Self-esteem, what I think of myself. Personal relations, the script I give others or the expectations I have of others. Sexual relations, the same as above, but pertaining specifically to sex. Interesting for me that this program in its original form categorised sexual behaviours. For me, that's a demonstration of the significance of sex being, along with, I suppose, violence, one of the residual primal modes that exists in human behaviour and can lead us to extreme conflict and extreme suffering. Ambitions, as defined here, ambition means the whole scope of your overview and expectation, not just your career ambitions, professional ambitions, but the very sense of having a version, an image of my life that I'm trying to fulfil. My ambition for myself is that I'm this super respected father and recognised, respected creator. And when using this analytic system, I can see where my ambitions have been challenged or undermined and you know what this system assumes is as soon as as i've said to you before you feel unsettled or disturbed there's something that needs to be addressed and amended In the past, I just thought, oh, well, I'm feeling all sick and anxious or depressed. That's what life is, feeling sick and anxious and depressed. I better drink and take drugs or have continual promiscuous relationships or distract myself through technology or try to become successful. Instead of addressing what is this? What is this feeling? And so in a sense, what step four gives you is a rational and literal understanding of what can sometimes be just a very generalized fugue of unhappiness, of a general miasma of misery. Now suddenly it's called into account. When you do step four properly, and that's the only way that this will work, fearless and thorough, total committed stock taking of your nature, it takes a while. I was told it would take about 20 hours of writing, and two hours of reading when I did it with a mentor, the step five component. So when you do it properly, it's, you know, this is gonna be like a, a commitment of some 20 hours. What we're doing now is more akin to a step 10, which is an ongoing inventory process that you can undertake at any time. Whenever I'm disturbed, whenever I feel resentful, whenever I feel sad, inadequate, not good enough, angry, that my needs aren't being met, if I'm willing, to undertake this inventory and process, then I'm likely, well, well, definitely going to have a different perspective. That's why one, two, and three are absolutely necessary in advance. You have to admit there's a problem. Who's why would you bother doing this? You have to believe it's possible for change to occur. Who's why would you bother doing this? And you have to be willing to accept help and someone else's plan instead of your own plan because otherwise why would you be willing to do this? A reduced simplified version of the first three steps is it simply gets you ready to do this step. Of course we talked at some length of the philosophical connotations of willingness, of honesty, of hope and as well we might because what complex individuals we are. But in its simplest sense all we need to do through the first three steps is create the conditions to conduct the fourth step, which is what we'll now do. The first column is where you write what you resent. So as soon as you're disturbed, pissed off, agitated, you have a resentment. In the first column, you write down who or what it is you resent in the nomenclature of the 12 steps, people, places, and things. In my step four, there were things like, you know, little boy who beat me at sports day. In my own childhood, I've not been participating in children's sports days as an adult, turning up at schools in little trimmed shorts and a much too tight singlet, demanding I be allowed to participate. Although that is the sort of thing that might help me to overcome some of those resentments. Now, it was a lad. I would, you know, beat me at an egg and spoon race at school. That was on there, but also the government, and also, you know, so like this, the scope was incredible. God, you know, like it's all in there because it makes me feel feelings. Yeah. You know, so, in the first column, the person, place, or thing that you resent. In the second column, what the resentment is. Here again is the call for clarity and specificity. It should be something you could shoot for a movie. You should be able to see what it is. happening. it can't just be for being an asshole. That's not good enough. You know, my uncle, he's a prat. No, it has to be something you can envisage. It has to be a harm. So like so-and-so trod on my foot, knocked over a vase. There has to be an image, something you can envisage. A generalities are not helpful. The third column, as I've explained to you, are the areas of self being affected pride, what I think you think of me. Self-esteem, what I think of myself. Personal relations, the script I give others. Have I been offended or affected because people haven't said or behaved in the way that I would have them. Sexual relations as above, but pertaining to sex. Ambitions, my general overview of how I see myself and my life going. Security is if something happens that affects the roof above your head or your ability to feed yourself and your children, then we're in territory of security some resentment serious resentment will affect your security another person's actions or another institution's actions have led me to potentially lose my home or my children or my wife that's so security you only mark that category if some serious thing's gone down and seven finance is pretty self-explanatory the fourth column of the step four process is where we identify how we participate and contribute to our own problems. This is where we have the real potential for change. But I'll illustrate those points in more detail through an example, because it'll be a lot clearer for you. And in the fifth column, I've written the areas of character that are affected, aroused, undermined, or to use a word of the day, triggered by that particular resentment. Although there's some people use like, almost limitless character defects, I prefer to limit it to just 16 and I find most resentments can be covered by the traits that I've listed in the fifth column. So let me use a couple of examples. I'll use one that's like a serious thing and one that's a pretty minor thing just to simply demonstrate the scope of this utensil. So, all right, I resent. So this is something that was in my real life, step four. Uh, That bloke next door to my dad for sexually abusing me. So that's like a serious thing. So like, you know, you might have serious things on your step four that you're pretty reluctant to get into. I don't want to start raking over them old graves, reliving those experiences. Well, it's necessary. Like, you know, my I was on my own step four for like all of the things that I did that I regretted doing. My mother was on there, my father was on there. Basically everyone that I'd ever known was on there at some point. Let's use this just to demonstrate that this is a possibility that this has the scope for dealing with you know intense transgressions such as abuse significantly. That even in instances where you have been the victim, as it were, of violence or abuse, there's still a way for you to change your perspective and liberate yourself from the tyranny of the old mental patterns that you have been um, captured to and the consequences of those patterns. So Uh, so I'll just put like next door just for a kind of shorthand I'll put next door to indicate this dude who touched me up when I was a kid so in the second so in the second column I put what the resentment is touched me inappropriately when I was a child okay I'm just putting this in kind of shorthand this is sort of an uh, aid memoir, you know, this doesn't have to be a piece of literature, this thing, because the function of step four is to move towards step five when you share it with another person. So it's merely a tool for you to be able to, when you're with the person that you're going to do step five with to go, I was abused. You don't need to like, you know, we don't have to get into Dickensian territory in the description of the characters, but you do need to be able to see and determine what happened. It can't be essentially, and this is significant actually, it can't be a feeling that something might have gone wrong because the whole point of this program is to illustrate to you that your perception is a significant part of the problem. And the very fact that you have to write down a thing happened forces you into the kind of acceptance that there's a distinction between what you feel about reality and reality itself. So, touch me inappropriately when I was a kid Now, with a sort of a, this was a significant resentment on my steps, on my step four. So, it you know, it included, like, my parents for the way they responded to it. It kind of had a fair few sort of branches and shoots that came off of it because it's something that affected me, obviously affected my behaviour going forward, etc. But here, we'll just deal with this one specific component of it, the a man next door for inappropriate touch when I was a child. Now, now we look at the areas of myself that this affects. Does it affect my pride, what I think others think about me? Yes, it does, because someone has transgressed against me and abused me. Does it affect my self-esteem? Yes, it does, because I feel that I'm the type of person that that happens to, that I'm not worth uh, worthy of protecting. Does it affect my personal relations, the script I give others? Yes, it does, because in the script I give others, people don't sexually abuse me. Does it affect my sexual relations? Yes, it does, because it's sexual abuse. And another aspect of this programme is you can can use this third column if you believe that it's affected your behaviour going forward. Now, most people that have been sexually abused would say that their subsequent sexual relationships were in some way influenced and affected by that abuse. Ambitions. Does it affect my ambitions, the view I have of myself? Of course it does. In my worldview, my ambition for myself, even then as now, there is no transgression of that nature committed against me. Does it affect my security? Yes, it does. It affected my sense that I was wounded. Uh, that it affected my sense that I was safe and protected in the world. Does it affect my finances? Here, like, that would be kind of tangential to go, oh, that happened, and as a result, I couldn't hold down a job. You could make that argument if you wanted to. But given that this is a tool for illumination and clarity, the fact that it's affected these first six areas, these first six sort of taxonomies, these set first six categories that we're using... Kind of, I feel like we can let go of finances. Although if I was really trying to get like a full house, if I was doing this like bingo, I'd probably make an argument for, well, you know, it's probably affected my ability to make a livelihood. Now, when you get to the fourth column, this is where the opportunity for transition takes place. You ask yourself six questions in the fourth column, just here and in your worksheets, uh, denoted by a single word, the question inferred i.e. mistakes, where am I making a mistake? Now, in some resentments, the mistake you'll be making is one of perception, uh, as you'll see when I give another example in a minute of something lighter. There's like, in this instance, we're not looking for a mistake that I have made that may have contributed to the event of me being abused as a kid, like I was <laughs> wearing sexy shorts and being coquettish with a lollipop. It's not that type of mistakes. It's the mistake of holding on to something that is not happening now. No, I'm not being abused now. So why would I continue to re-experience this trauma? For me, the mantra of the mistakes in the fourth column is, of course it's bad that you experienced abuse. It's even worse that you continue to allow yourself to be defined by it, that you continue to experience this trauma, that you continue to suffer for something that wasn't your fault. So <clears throat> in any event, even in a case where you are, the victim of abuse there's always the opportunity to change your perception by accepting that the event is not currently occurring and if we want we do have the choice to move on that's why i've used the example of childhood sexual abuse from my own life to illustrate that in my belief and in the philosophy of this program it is possible to progress beyond even instances where I'm not actively participating—it's not like, oh, yeah, shit, I shouldn't have been in that bar, or what was I thinking? No, I was something happened that's not right, but I, it's possible for me to change my perspective and therefore change, in a sense, the past. So the mistake is continuing to be hurt by something that's not happening now, to continuing to identify with pain that's not currently occurring. In Eckhart Tolle language, it's as if I can. Fire up the pain body by continuing to live through this experience by identifying with misery and pain. And when you do a step four like this, you'll recognize, oh my God, I've done that again and again. I'm keeping a personal museum of misery of which I'm the curator, polishing these exhibits, gathering them from around the world, showing every new person I meet in my life around the gallery of my misdemeanors and tragedies. Oh, and then this happened, and then this happened. Utilizing it, weaponizing my misery, formulating a person around my pain. And that's a mistake. There's alternatives. There's a completely different way of experiencing reality. And as we have established, my way weren't working. Your way isn't working. Do you accept that change is going to mean thinking thoughts you didn't previously think, acting in a way you didn't previously act? This is where the rubber meets the road when it comes to that, being willing to change your perspective even in instances of your own victimhood. It's not about sanctioning abuse. It's That's irrelevant. It's abstract. It's about the experience of you and changing that experience. The next three questions in the fourth column address whether or not you're being selfish, dishonest, or self-seeking in this uh, instance. In the instance of this resentment. In this one, I wouldn't say that I was being selfish. Am I being dishonest? This is where you can get, like, analytically adept. I have been dishonest because in the past I've used that instance of abuse to legitimise like, oh, I'm so damaged because I have abuse. I've like, tried to get people to feel sorry for me using it and stuff. So that's kind of dishonest. So I can mark that. I can be aware of that and I can be willing to change that. Uh, self-seeking, I suppose it could qualify under the, in the same manner as the previous category. Fear. When, when we're responding to the fear question in the fourth column... What we're dealing with is, in 12-step philosophy, within every resentment, there is a fear. When you look at that resentment, the feeling that you can't let go of, you will discover that it is underscored by a fear. In this instance, what fear is there for my resentment against man next door for touching me inappropriately when I was a child? Well, the fears are kind of obvious, that I'm not worthy of protecting, that it's okay for people to sexually abuse me, that I'm not good enough, that I'm a bad person, that I'm dirty, that I'm soiled. And these kind of beliefs are significant components in my personal mandate for living a life as an addict, for drinking excessively, for taking too much drugs, for trying to escape my feelings through sex, through wanting to be famous, but through wanting to be approved, by wanting to make a lot of money, All of these things are present not just in this one, you know, comparatively compared to the scope and scale of the terrible suffering other people experience relatively minor incident. No, but in a network of other incidents that have gone on to formulate my perception of who I am, my place in the world and my view of the world. These fears of being worthless and not good enough and being dirty. These have been recurring themes that I have sought to address through addictive behavior. As we said before, the behavior that you're trying to change was an unconscious strategy, an unaware tactic for dealing with the problem of being you. Through undertaking this inventory process, it can be moved from an unconscious strategy to a conscious strategy. I could continue doing it if I wanted. I could continue identifying with pain. But the point of this 12-step program is to liberate you from any harmful patterns. We've already seen that the manifestation is what we want to address, whether that's something as serious as drug addiction or gambling or sex addiction or something as comparatively minor and everyday as a tech obsession. Whatever it is, if we address the fear that's causing it, the fear and the beliefs that underwrite that fear, if we address those then we can change the behaviour. The behaviour in fact will melt away because this sort of matrix of beliefs begins to disintegrate and when that starts to disintegrate there is freedom. Six is uh, harms, is is the sixth category of the fourth column and this refers to harms that have been done to others as a result of this resentment. If I'd gone on to Uh, Like attack that dude, or smash his house up, or kill someone else, or if it had led me to behave in ways that were uh, inappropriate, then that would be you'd mark harms. In this instance, this particular uh, example of abuse didn't lead me to harm other people. So that so that one so you know the harm category is not relevant, nor is the selfish one, nor is the selfish category. So there you are. It's not like we're not trying to tick all of them. You know, we're trying to get a clearer understanding. And for me, the significant work that's being done here is acknowledging the fear of worthlessness and the false beliefs about, you know, being uh, soiled or worthless or whatever. The fifth column is where we look at the defects of character that are sparked, ignited, activated by that resentment. So let me just run through those. This list of 16 character defects, in my experience, will cover any resentment that you might be feeling. Let me run through them. Does the resentment of, you know, against the guy next door for touching me inappropriate, does it it affect my pride? Do I feel, does it affect pride? We've already established in the third column that pride is a component. It's somewhat reiterative, but remember that the objective here is to be thorough. So sometimes there is a degree of repetition in the pursuit of that thoroughness. Self-pity. Is, my, is the character defect of self-pity present? Yeah, of course it is, because I feel sorry for myself, I've wallowed in it, I've utilised it. You know, sadness and grief are necessary aspects of healing. We're only trying to deal with the defective part. Of course it's sad that I was abused as a little boy, more sad still that I continue to feel it. And self-pity is a sort of, I would say, an over-identification with the phenomena rather as opposed to grief or sadness, which are a necessary part of the healing process. So self-pity, yeah. Is it selfish? No. Is it self-centered? Yeah, it is actually kind of self-centered because I make it a centrifugal belief instead of having a broad perspective about what my place is in the world. It's a self-centered infatuation with the event. So I would say, yeah. Is is there intolerance in this? I am being intolerant of myself, I suppose, because it's kind of natural that a person that's been in experience, experienced victimhood of that nature would, you know, suffer. So there's been a degree of intolerance. Impatience. Um, Impatience, I don't... Sometimes I feel that... um, How impatience comes up as a defect of character is often... well. When you're dealing with minor issues later in recovery, impatience becomes super pertinent. Traffic, impatience with people that you really love for not behaving exactly how you want them to behave, when you want them to behave like it. Impatience is not particularly relevant here. Greed, not especially, although greed for your own way. Greed for a sort of uh, control, like is... uh, that greed often presents as a kind of greed for your own way, a greed for uh, unreasonable authority. Gluttony is specifically relates to food. And as a matter of fact, I did develop eating disorders in later life, so you could say gluttony and the sort of wanting to heal myself through eating too much food, smoking too much, taking too many drugs, drinking. Gluttony specifically refers to you know, um, indulgence of, sort of substance. Jealousy, it was explained to me, is uh, when I think that something of mine is going to be taken. Envy, the next category, is when I cover something that someone else has. So you could say that I envy people who had childhoods that were free from abuse. Sloth, same, is a synonym of lazy. And um, have I been lazy? You could say that it's lazy to not address these psychological issues, to allow them to dominate you and to leave them dormant in your psyche and address. But that's kind of hard on yourself. Lust. Sometimes uh, lust is a response to abuse. You could say that, you know, like uh, lust is sometimes a reclamation of, uh, you know, sexual uh, autonomy or sexual potency. It's like, so, you know, I can check that there in the the spirit of awareness. Arrogance, uh, you know, I don't think that's particularly relevant. Dishonesty, I already clocked that there's been a degree of dishonesty because uh, I've uh, utilised or weaponised this incident to make people feel sorry for me. Self-righteousness, oh my God. Like, in the original list I was given, there were 14 character defects. I added self-righteousness and grandiosity because they come up so often in my life. Self-righteousness, it's a terrible ball ache. I suffer from it a great deal. I'm always going around being self-righteous about things, a sort of pompous sense that, that only I have access to some divine and unique truth. And grandiosity... It's not coming up in this instance, but it was another one that I necessarily added because it became so prominent in my life. So now when you look at this resentment, or when I look at this resentment, and when you look at your whatever resentment you're working through when you do your own step four, and remember, a fearless and thorough step four would include any incident of this nature, any resentment against all of the people in your life. The second time I did it, the dude gave me a little bit of an easier ride. He said, pick the 20 most dominant resentments, not Not actually resentment, but people, places and things that you have resentments against. So, you know, if you've got a hundred resentments against your mother, work all hundred of them. If you've got 50 resentments against the government, work all 50 of those resentments. If you've got a thousand resentments against yourself work all of them and by the end of that you know by the end of that process you have a pretty clear idea of what what your patterns are oh my god i continually use bad things to form my identity around oh no i've continually been uh well say for example something like this gluttony all of my early life trauma led to eating disorders in later life and then drug addiction which are both sort of subsets of gluttony over consuming um Envy comes up here you know like uh, unconscious envy, very uh, prevalent phenomena in my own life. A teacher of mine said, envy is your own unrealized potential projected onto another he said to liberate me from the sort of unpleasantness of envy, your own unrealized potential projected onto another. next, whenever I feel envious of people, I think, oh, okay that's cool I need to and I can improve myself so. The main thing i've learned from this particular resentment and from particularly obviously in conjunction with all of the resentments of my life up to present day is that i have is in the fear column is is in the fear category of the fourth column feelings of worthlessness feelings of being dirty or not valued and an inability to trust others these aspects of my psyche Formed a kind of negative program. That's in a sense the core of the program. I'm trying to replace I'll give you a lighter example of a uh, step four to show that it can work in more trivial Circumstances also and also to take the air out of you know child abuse, which let's face it It's not a topic that many people have that into so like a a lighter resentment This is much more the sort of thing that would have featured in a step 10 is uh, the actor Benedict Cumberbatch you may know him from any number of things that's in fact the resentment because he's more famous than I am more famous than me Does this affect my pride? what I think others think of me. Yes, I should be more famous. I think other people should be looking at me and saying this dude is the most famous person there is. Does it affect my self-esteem? Yes, my self-esteem requires for me to be famous. That's a ridiculous requirement to place on the world. Does it affect my personal relations? Yeah, with an entire planet. I want the entire planet to say you are more famous than Benedict Cumberbatch. Does it affect my sexual relations? It has in the past because I've had issues around sexual addiction, the use of porn, all manner of manifestations of... um, Uh, sexual addiction that have been in a sense an attempt to redress feelings of inadequacy and a lack of self-esteem so of course sexual relations lights up ambitions of course my ambition to be more famous than benedict cumberbatch my security no no No-one's losing their house because Benedict Cumberbatch is more famous than them. Does it affect my finances? No, not really, unless I became sort of like... Unless I sort of started spending money on my own PR and desperately trying to lobby Marvel to cast me as Doctor Strange in the next film or whatever, which I've currently no plans to do. Mistakes that I'm making. Well, my mistake is that I'm allowing my self-esteem to be determined by abstract events established in a rubric that I've got no control over, a kind of arbitrary system of fame, like, and, and my belief about what fame is and where I should be on a f- fame league table. So that's a mistake, particularly as a person that has been taught again and again in life, that you cannot acquire peace or harmony or connection through external means. Is it selfish? Yeah, I'm not like wanting to be more famous than Benedict Cumberbatch for the benefit of climate change is it dishonest yeah it's emotionally and spiritually dishonest because i've been taught time and time again that that won't work is it self-seeking it's nothing but self-seeking but even with a seemingly trivial resentment such as this one when we get to the fear category in the fourth column what's my fear i'm not good enough i'm worthless i'm dirty resonant and reminiscent of the earlier much more significant resentment against the person for uh, sexual abuse so these patterns reoccur and represent in minor behaviors, arguments at traffic lights, altercations in a bar, that are similarly present in the major and defining incidents of our life, father for dying, mother for leaving, this abuse, that abuse, that violence, terrible, terrible incidents, incidents worthy of the drama of resentment, incidents that we'll cling on to, resentments that we'll hold fast on to because they're such significant parts of our identity, the same suffering can occur with the sort of most... Trivial and incidental resentments that we pick up just on our general journey through everyday life. So the fear is significant. For me, the fear in the fourth column is where we learn most about ourselves from this inventory. Harms. Have I done any harms to anybody because Benedict Cumberbatch is more um, famous than me? Not yet. I've not started troubling dear Benedict Cumberbatch. I've not started hanging outside his house or try to undermine his career. In fact, having met Benedict Cumberbatch and discovering that obviously he's bloody lovely, the only person that's been harmed is me. So I'm the... I'm the... You know, the criminal, the perpetrator, the judge, jury. This whole drama, frankly, is taking place in my head. Benedict Cumberbatch doesn't need to be troubled by it. What character defects is this lighting up? Pride, yes. Self-pity, yes. Selfishness, yes. self centeredness, yes. Intolerance, yes. Impatience, yes, because who knows what the future holds. Greed, yes. I've had so much fame. How much do you want? Gluttony, no, it's not caused me because it's a sort of a recently acquired thing. You know, sort of five years ago, into To The Truth, it's one of those things that this programme is really working for it's making me feel like oh you wouldn't feel any happier if you were more famous this is like a, this technique works you know uh jealousy am i feeling that something's gonna get taken away from me yeah because i sort of feel that benedict cumberbatch got famous a bit after me and took a bit of the fame pie that i was trying to eat uh envy yes because i would like to be benedict cumberbatch sloth mm, yeah because like at this point in my life i shouldn't be dogged by such trivialities lust only if, as a, in an attempt to redress these feelings of inferiority, I acted lustfully. Arrogance? Yeah, why are you even operating in this sphere? What right do you think you have, Russell, to this kind of you know, limitless fame? Dishonesty? I don't think so. Self-righteousness? Yes. Grandiosity? Almost the very definition. So having undertaken this, undertaken step four, this is just an analytic tool. We don't sit on our own in step four. We share it. With another person, ideally another person who has undertaken this process themselves and is able to understand it, that won't just sit there going, "What's your problem with Benedict Cumberbatch, man? He's a good actor." Like no, but someone who recognises and understands the tendency we have to acquire petty jealousies or, alternatively, to hold on to pain and trauma from the past. But whichever, wherever it falls on the wheel of resentment, we eventually learn there's no such thing as a justified resentment. Whether it's a silly, frivolous, trivial resentment against someone who's none of my business getting on with their life, like Benedict Cumberbatch, or a seemingly important resentment, like, uh, oh, I was abused as a kid ultimately is something that I want to be free of, something that I want to let go of. Old programming, old idea, something that I want to be liberated from and something that I can be liberated from, but only by continuing with this process. The next step being step five, sharing the findings of step four with a like-minded person, not too like-minded, I don't want to deal with a mentally ill, but someone who's further down this path than me. Although, let's be honest, This is, again, part of the ingenuity of the 12-Step Programme. Armed with these tools in other people's lives, I'm perspicacious, insightful, helpful, brilliant. You should see me solving other people's problems. You'd think that there's nothing wrong with me. But in my own life, I'm a maniac. Another beautiful component of the 12-step programme is it helps us to understand that we should never have leaders because everybody's mental. Everybody's crazy. Everybody's governed by these kind of thoughts and ideas. The only difference is how willing they are to cop to it, how willing they are to look at it. You think Donald Trump ain't got this shit going on in his head? You think Boris Johnson's not dealing with this stuff. Oh, go run a country. Have access to nuclear weaponry. This stuff's not even been dealt with. And they're out there running the world. So the only difference really is the ability to be aware or the willingness to be aware, undertaking the process to be aware. Once you've done that, then you can share it with another person. And I feel that a significant aspect of this is that, as I said, it illustrates and reveals that we're all mentally ill, but not on the same day, not at the same time. Collectively run organisations, collectively run systems. Don't nominate one particular charismatic nutter to be in charge just because they've got a nice bit of rhetoric and some tall buildings. Level it out. But we needn't leap face first into the political connotations of a system that reveals that being flawed and fearful is part of human nature. Let's be satisfied with what we've done a fearless and thorough inventory of our own moral conduct, of our own resentments, our past, whether it's beset by serious trauma or minor trivial incidences. It's not a league table. It's not a World Cup of Problems or a World Series of Problems, you being an American and all. It's a willingness to categorise and inventory what we've been through in life and a willingness to change and a belief that that is possible.
0: Thank you for listening to this excerpt from Russell Brand's Commune course on recovery. Now, if you want to watch the full video version of this course including a variety of bonus lessons and worksheets, well I encourage you to go to onecommune.com/recovery and sign up for a free trial of Commune membership. That's onecommune.com recovery. There you can sign up for 14 days of free all access to Commune's course library and enjoy the full-length version of Russell's course on recovery. Of course, feel free to email me with any suggestions or criticism of the constructive variety at jeffk at onecommune.com. Okay, that's all from the commune for today. My name is Jeff Krasno, and I am here for you.